Welcome to Connecting the Community podcast. I am your host, Marge Andre. I will be connecting you to people, organizations, and events that create community. I am creating this podcast in Richmond Hill, an eclectic and very culturally diverse community with lots of trees and streams and interesting people just up the hill from Toronto. On this podcast, I will be talking with Eiko Odea and Tamuna Fury. I apologize for not saying your name better. Please correct me. Uh, they are responsible for creating a unique exhibit at the Richmond Hill Central Library entitled Hair, H-A-I-R, Hair Today, Gone Tomorrow. This art exhibition explores some symbols of memory and healing in Black communities with the focus on hair care products and treatments for Black hair. Echo is the artist and Temu Bifiri is the curator. So welcome both of you. So um, it's very good. Very good that uh, we found this time to get together. Thank you for having us, Mark. Thank you, Mark. Hello, You are very welcome. So, let's start with both of you, both of you, telling us a little bit about yourselves. Well, my name is Ehiko Oje. I'm from Benue State, Nigeria. I was born in Lagos, Nigeria, Suriname. I moved to Canada in 2015 to pursue my 12th grade education, and I was in Hamilton at Columbia National College. And then I applied to Okad University in 2016. And when I got into the program for drawing and painting and minor in creative writing, um, that's when I started taking arts more seriously. And since then, I've been a multidisciplinary artist. I've been painting for the past nine years. Um, and some of the major themes explored in my work is hair, uh, decolonization, health and wellness, and family, memory, and play. I love to experiment with my work. Um, I feel like my work has a little bit of play and mysticism mixed in it, and I do art full-time, and that's a little bit about me. Okay, very good. Well, <clears throat> we'll ask you some more questions Um Shortly, Temuri B. Fury, and please say your name correctly because I'm getting more and more frustrated at my <laughs> inability to say your name here. Okay. That's fine. I think sometimes the things it's just practice, especially yes. when it's new territory. Yeah. Um, my name is Tamuno Ibi Fury Fumbo, also called Fury, Fury, which is from the last four letters of my name. Okay. I'm from southern Nigeria, in, and I moved to Canada. It's been more a bit over five years now. I work in the arts and culture and media ecosystem. I'm an artist myself too. And a lot of my artistic practice is, is documenting everyday life um, and the ways that we explore the world as human beings in community with people and also in the spaces that we engage with. Um, I also work as a cultural manager and curator. So working with artists and supporting artists and cultural spaces um, on how to actually develop um, artistic and cultural work um, and also like helping 
basically anything creative, anything culture, um, basically working with people to develop creative practices, um, to develop creative projects, and also um, to curate exhibitions um, that align with our values. And yeah, those Ooh. are some of the work that I do. Yeah, the, very interesting. Um, I believe we're quite in, we're quite fortunate to have you um, have this display at the Richmond Hill Central Library. Can you tell us, you know, how what motivated you? What happened to have this exhibition created and come to Richmond Hill? So, um, what happened was uh, I got contacted by Annette through mm-hmm. the Richmond Hill Public Library because. Originally, I was there last year, August, receiving, um, I was receiving, I, I wouldn't really call it an award, it was more like a certificate of recognition from the MP of Richmond Hill um, for one, they were doing their Emancipation Day events, that's what they were doing, and they wanted me to show some work for the Emancipation Day events, and that's how I connected with Annette, and Annette wanted me to show work at the Richmond Hill Public Library. For December because it was celebration of Kwanzaa and I connected with Fury because we had already spoken about working together and Fury is very familiar with the type of work that I do and leading up to this exhibition I had a solo exhibition at 401 titled Our Hair Holds Memories and Fury was one of the main people that I consulted with throughout to begin before the exhibition, during the exhibition, and after the exhibition. So it just felt right to bring her onto this project, not just as a curator, but also as someone who like did the creative direction and managed the whole thing. And so we decided to kind of like continue the story of her memories into this exhibition because we both agreed that it's a project that isn't just a one-and-done thing, but it's a continuous project, and we wanted to expand that to the Richmond Hill Library, doing our very first installation with the products. So that's like a summary, and I'm sure we will get more into the details because yeah. she's really good at that stuff. So. Okay, very good. <clears throat> yeah, I did meet you at uh, MP Jahari's uh, uh, Emancipation Day back in August, so that was uh, good, and I was totally admired your work, so I was happy to see you come back and, uh, again, display your work again. So very interesting what yeah. you're doing, and uh, that it's downtown at the 401 space. I think that's that's cool. So, Eiko, how do you describe your art? Like, it was, it, it's large, it's off, I think, on material, it's not on regular canvas. Um, yeah, so how did you, how did you Describe how do you describe what you do? Um, it's very hard to like say one word. I think it's very different and eclectic, but most especially just uh, authentic to myself. I like to paint on large scale canvases. I do paint on canvas sometimes on a panel, but I mostly am a painter, so canvases are normally like the, the mediums that I paint on. So most of them are on stretch canvas. The one at the Richmond Hill Library, one is on unstretched canvas, one is on stretch canvas. Um, but the way that I manipulate the material makes it look like fabric, mm-hmm. which is something I love. I, I love the feeling of um, a painting looking light and airy and also tying it in with one that looks more um, structured. Um, so 
that's kind of also how I would describe my style is like in as much as I like to have structure I also like there to be like some sort of breath into the work and people to look at it and think and also be like what is that and want to know more about it I want to draw people in and I want people to really understand that it's deeper than just the aesthetic of how it looks that there's so much work that goes behind creating a piece that's not just about it looking beautiful but also about the message and the educational side of it as well Woo. okay uh i've seen your work so i know what you mean and i hope you've in tweet uh nudge people to i have to come and see what she has created so it's a a fairly large piece like three feet by four feet about that size and it's of different types of hair care products and but it's it's more than that as you've just said so oh, wow okay i i am looking forward to seeing other things that you create in the future uh Perry, can you describe the display like the items that are there and like how did you source them okay so i would say we okay <laughs> because it was it's very much a collaborative team work you know um, Ahiko's practice at this time has very much been exploring hair care practices, mm -hmm. um, the way that the memories that our relationship with our hair like strikes for us, the products, um, the message behind advertising, both in contemporary times and like, I think you cannot look at the future and not look at the past. So she's been doing a lot of research around um, that back in down to the like 50s, 40s. Um, so when we started talking about the project and she was telling me about how she's discovering things and she's like, can you imagine the way that they, the language that they use to say manageable hair, this, 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 this. Um, and then she had also started painting some of the products, I think before we even found um, the, the store. So few like months, months before the project happened, she had mentioned that she discovered this place that she, like I would not even believe that it was there. And I was like, oh, tell me about it. <laughs> so she told me like, yeah, it's on Bathurst Street, um, basically the strip of Bathurst and Bloor. I don't know how familiar you are with that space, but back in the day it used to be called Blackers because there was a large black population in the area. Um, and she said there was this Black-owned beauty supply store that also had a salon at the top, which felt like a time capsule. Um, and she went in there and all the things that she had been finding online and she had been painting but had a hard time sourcing, she found them there miraculously somehow. <laughs> um, so we, she had gone there a couple of times when we were working on this project and just generally thinking of how to expand on her research. We went there and then were able to find some of the, pro the products. Um, so those were where we got the, the products that are displayed and some of the magazines that are also like displayed in there because finding those products was just a way of also like physically seeing these things that we, some people have heard about. Um, I think in her exhibition at Band Gallery, um, our hair holds memories. Um, the products were not in there, but the the paintings that she had of some of those products were there. And a lot of people's feedback were, oh my God, 
I remember this. Well, I haven't seen this in a very, very long time. You know, so finding those products was also a way of showing, was also a way of showing these things in real life, mm-hmm. you know, because a lot of them have also gone in extinct. Um, a lot of them have either been remodeled, but this store has been here since the 70s. Unfortunately, now they're closing. So um, we decided to get some of those as archival, um, archival materials. And it just made sense to also add them in the show since we're talking about hair today, gone tomorrow, which was referencing the fact that things are here today, but in this context, hair. Um, <laughs> also, Ahiko kind of triggered that title. So that was really beautiful when she mentioned that. Um, so finding these archival products and then having Ahiko's paintings and digital pieces um, that she's made in contemporary time side by side just made sense for contrasting gone tomorrow because tomorrow some of the things are no longer existing and what's here today and like how we're sort of preserving that memory and I think when I'm thinking about it it makes sense that it was in a glass case because it's almost like a showcase of what was and what is so that's how we source the product and that's the thinking behind that. Woo, you said a lot there. That was a very, very, very interesting of what is there. Okay. Um, there is a, a company text, actually a lot that is said there. Uh, and it asks us to reflect on both hair care products and the look of the hair that is wanted, or I guess I should say was wanted. So can you expand on that, this idea of... Um, you know, how we're supposed to have black, how the hair is supposed to be? Well, I can only really speak on, uh, again, like melanated hair, um, because it's a very unique type of hair. Like, her hair defies gravity, like I always tell people. Um, so I think, like, when you look at the exhibition, we're talking and touching on beauty standards and how they're forever evolving, forever changing. But also, at the same time, we're touching on the fact that people are now embracing a completely different standard of what beauty means to them now. So embracing what naturally grows on their head or, you know, embracing hairstyles that have always existed, like braids or like sewings or wigs. Um, these are things that we have adopted and we're still using now, but more people are cautious of where they're sourcing their materials from. So that's like what I can speak on to that. I'm sure Fury has some other stuff to share as well along those lines. Yeah, thank you, Hiko. Um, I think part of that that text was also we're hoping that people, like Hiko mentioned, outside looking at the products, can also think about um, the relationship that they have with their hair and this product. For some people, especially people with melanated hair, a lot of times, some of these products were used to manage, quote unquote, our hair and to like, well, your hair is too wild, you know, and to like tame it. So, yes, it's supposed to make them beautiful, but it's a complex relationship that some people have with some of these hair products and just with hair in general. And Ehiko's practice does also have... Um, also embody using herbal um 
thinking of organic and herbal ways that we can return to nature um, through the way that we care for ourselves and um, the way that we care for our community. So we part of the broader picture of these projects is also continuing to explore how can we naturally um, care for our hair and how can we also think of um, more sustainably and non-toxic ways to um, care for our hair and to remember our hair. Um, and I think some of the, some of the products, if you look closely, it's also a thing of language and marketing and like how these products are being marketed and who they've been marketed to and the content that's inside, which sometimes we don't pay attention to it because we just know that, or if we use it, it's supposed to give us quote unquote manageable hair. It's supposed to make us look beautiful because from advertising, they're saying that we don't look beautiful enough because we have this hair, which we don't agree with, you know? So it's also like a way of nudging people to critically think um, about the products that's being used, um, the people that are making this product, um, and like the ham, the, the layered ham that these products have caused because I think we were at an exhibition opening for her show with Live Edge a few months, last month, time flies. Um, and we got to speak with somebody who said that his family, someone from his family had this factory in Jamaica where they made hair products. And <laughs> in that conversation, was like, yeah, some of these products were so toxic, you know, but at some point they couldn't care much because they just wanted to make money, you know. And it was, it was, I, we were, I don't know that we were shocked. We were not really shocked, you know, but it was also just jarring in real time to have someone talk about this and to also talk about the privilege because he is a white person and these people who he's talking about are like mostly um, Caucasian people. And a lot of times with these products that we have this nostalgic memory of, you know, the people who often made them and who had the money to populate it in the market and to make us think of, oh, we're not beautiful enough until we look like these things are mostly Caucasian people, you know. And unfortunately, there was no deep care and attention that was paid into what is inside the product, how, how um, okay is it for people of color with melanated hair that we're making this product for to use it, you know, that was not a priority. The priority was just, oh, let's make money, you know, oh, let's just push this thing. Um, and then that's why even in this case, we cannot not talk about this and not talk about the impact of um, white supremacy ideals in this. So, yeah. Very interesting. And I really like your phrase, layered harm i think that's uh both how it's a toxic product and the messaging is not good either so, yeah now you've used the word that i was searching for to describe black hair melanated like how actually is black hair say different than my auburn hair like physically like, what is the real difference I, I feel silly asking this question but i am curious well, there are no silly, there are no silly questions, but I will first of all say that everyone's hair is different. Even yeah. being a member of the Black community, we have different types of hair. There's normally like a scale that people go by from like, I think 1A to 4C, 
But even with it outside of that, there's so many things, there's so many textures, there's so many layers. But I think the main denominator of like the difference between black hair and hair that isn't like black is we have tighter curl patterns that again are very different because they just they defy gravity i always like saying that because it's just the truth like even i have locks right now and it's tied up but if i don't retwist it for a while it stays like it stays up so in that sense like our texture is different than that of like a white person which is like more fine or more like thin less curl pattern but our curl pattern is really i think what makes it unique it's very very tight um so i hope that answers your question. your question yeah i'd like to look at them underneath a microscope and see the difference between the hair i just I find that fascinating and then what you said about there are many different types of black hair and there's a scale i never knew that so that that i find quite fascinating okay uh, so there has been this need to have black hair straightened. I think there's some products you have. Can you speak to that? Like, how do you how do you feel about that? I personally, I think I have a more biased view because when I grew up wanting to relax my hair, my mom was very against it because she had her hair relaxed and really messed up her hair, and also like the skin under your hair. And when people, I think there's obviously like a way that you can relax your hair that may not damage your skin. A lot of people have done it and it's worked for them. And unfortunately, a majority of people who have had their hair relaxed, it doesn't always end up that way. There's currently a bunch of lawsuits being, you know, happening right now about hair relaxers and the link to ovarian cancer happening it's predominantly in the black community because it was us that they were marketing it towards but i don't personally agree with hair relaxers i don't think there's any benefits to them i think they're very harmful and i see them as chemicals like straight up just chemicals um i feel like there's definitely been peer pressure a lot of black women have been pressured into doing that especially in the past and even now you know to financially support their families and just be ahead of the game even though you can have all the credentials you can have all the education but people always look at what you like look externally before they want to get to know you internally so i'm not here to like blame anyone and say we shouldn't do this or we shouldn't do that i just think if you do want to step into that space of relaxing your hair, you should look into the ingredients that are damaged, that will damage eventually your skin and may cause even further harm to your health. So that's where I'm at with the relaxers. Fury, where is that with relaxers? <laughs> okay. Fury, did yeah. you want to add anything to that, this whole concept of this perceived need to have relaxed hair? Um, yeah. Yeah, I think in addition to what Ehiko said, um, some of the things start from somewhere. And I think with people in like black communities getting to relax their heads all from what was pushed on of, oh, you need to look a certain way, you need to like look in the confines of what's um, Eurocentric um, ideals of beauty is. Um, and 
because people were some people were trying to like kind of you know like she mentioned get along with life not necessarily out of choice but again out of marketing marketing is <laughs> i can go on about marketing but marketing is a very very important tool that can be used for good and also for for bad that's why when we come back to those products again like we're saying on how the language that was used in all of this is like aspiring to a certain standard of beauty and relaxer, relaxing and um, texturizing products are one of those where it's like, oh, if your hair is straight, it means like you look professional. It means that you are cla like you're classy. It means that this, but that's not true. You know, it's also a way of people not loving themselves. You know, I'm not saying people doing it and not loving themselves. I'm talking about like the idea behind it that and why it was pushed into black communities was like oh you are not enough until you become closer to this version of what whiteness is whiteness is the one that's it's the thing that's you know that stamps and confirms your identity or your place in society you know so for a lot of people it stems from there that's why you see some parents i think we also we both grew up in nigeria and even about like other people that we've met from the diaspora have shared stories of their parents like trying to straighten their hair and relax their hair so that they would look you know okay they would look like professional and they'll look they don't look <laughs> they don't look like little quote-unquote rascals which again i do not agree with that you know but it's just that thing of mental it's like you over time what's this word where you internalize internalize things even if you do not really like agree but because you go to spaces showing up as your full self and you get hit with a lot of barriers but if you tend to look closer to you get access to certain opportunities which i see the way that that is also changing which i'm very happy i'm very happy for because i think we should be able to show up as, as ourselves and we should be able to you know love the body that we're in the things that come to us natural and no one should be a determining factor of why we're accepted or if we're enough or if we're complete or not. Yeah. So people relaxing their hair, I understand the perspective, honestly. And some of those things, it takes time to unlearn it. And sometimes people just want to see their hair straight and do styles that they want to do. And sometimes it's not that deep. You know, so there's like layers to this conversation. It's not yeah. one thing or the other. Okay. Wow. You've, you've said it very well, but it's uh, given us a lot to think about. So how have changed things changed? Like you've got products back in the 50s and 60s, uh, you know, 70 years later. How, how would you talk about the change that's happened? The first thing I noticed was the material. I realized that back in the day, it was more like glass or made out of metal or like tin. But now products are just mostly made out of plastic. Um, also, the design is just gone. Most of them look more modern and bland, and they don't have character anymore. Some of them, again, like they said, don't exist. So they just they're discontinued. The companies are discontinued. I'm looking forward to doing more research on why and what happened. But it's mostly the designs are different. The marketing is still the same, still pushing different narratives. But the ingredients 
are also different. They've added more into it. It's harder to read. It's harder to real pick out what is what. Yeah. Um, but in that sense, it's it's changed in that it's mostly just more plastic, more modernized features, and less character, less life. I would say. Yeah. Okay, that's an interesting perspective. But yes, if you read, read the ingredients, you need a degree in chemistry to be able to know exactly what you're. Uh, what is this product? So yeah. Uh, Fury, do you want to say anything to how you see things changing? I agree with what Ahiko had said. Um, I think, if anything, more more brands who make products for melanated hair um, these days tend to become because there's more conversations around um, around things like Eurocentric centers of beauty and like people kind of refusing some of these and like unlearning and having more conversations of the roots of things and how they're happening to bring consciousness to to each other and like just in general I think some brands are starting to publicly acknowledge their shame and the harm that they've caused you know and they're saying that they're moving towards rectifying the stains and changing the contents of their products. Um, so I fully believe that mm, because some of the stains are its performance, as we have seen over the last few years, especially since 2020, when there was the whole thing with Judge Floyd and just in general. Um, some people, some brands have actually walked the talk, you know. But like Ahiko said, some of some of these products you buy them and you can't really make sense of what is really because it's all jargons as a way of confusing people, but nothing has really changed. You know, so I think in the last few years, what has changed is people being more conscious of um how brands are like doing things that are not sustainable and like not healthy, and people also moving towards making their own organic. Um, homemade resources for their hair um, and also like taking care of each other more um, and looking out for each other in relation to like hair and beauty. Um, I think you found that more smaller businesses have come up um, who are transparent about the products that they use and the content of of their products. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, keep, it's keeping the bigger brands on their toes even though unfortunately they have more money because they have more money, it means that the products are more cheaper and they can take the products to stores like Walmart. So you can't fully blame anybody who is not moving all natural products because some people, we have to be realistic too. We live in a capitalist system where everybody cannot afford things and things are expensive. So some people have to use this product because that's what's affordable for them and they don't have an option. But these are some ways that I think it's changing. Okay. Thank you for all that um, information and reflection on things. So, Eko, I'm just wondering what you're working on these days. Um, I'm mostly in the studio these days, but I have two big uh, projects coming up. The first one is that I will be participating in the Design Field Festival this year. Um, it's launching January 19th. I will also be giving a talk slash a tour of my exhibition titled Golden Beauty 
supply, which is again paying homage to West Indian gold, golden beauty supply on Bathurst and Brewer, um, the same space where I sourced most of my you know, resources for my show and images from the show at Bathurst and Brewer. The, the beauty supply store we've been talking about basically, mm-hmm, yeah. it's going to be an inspiration on that, touching on my own take of it today, because now that I live in it's the 2000s and it's not the 1970s anymore, drawing inspiration from the hair salon and also the beauty supply store, I would be recreating an installation of golden beauty supply. So that's for Design Studio. And then I will be participating in artist project this year in April, which is like an art fair. Um, it's my very first art fair, so I'm really excited to make new work and show new work and connect with different artists and people and just get more people to see the work. Because I like to say it's not about me. I'm just there to create whatever visions God gives me. And then it's up to the curator. It's up to <laughs> the audience to, you know, take what they can and make sense of it. And I'm looking forward to doing more of that this year, more work and less like deciphering. I think most of the times people think artists are supposed to know exactly what they're doing, right? Because they pretty detail, know the next step, know the next move. But for me, I really just want to enjoy the process of creating and focus on creating and just pushing work out and seeing what, you know, comes up for me once the work is already birthed. That makes sense. Okay. No, yeah. interesting. Now, it, is any of your work for sale? Have you made prints of anything? So I do have work for sale um, right now. Oh, I actually forgot another exhibition. Okay. There's another exhibition happening on the 26th um, with Abozo Gallery at Richmond Hill. There are pieces there for sale, mostly paintings. And then I just finished another show, group show, with Samara Contemporary. They have some of my paintings available as well. And I'm also with another store at Stacked Markets called The Gift Shop. There I have some limited edition prints that are signed. Um, so people can purchase some prints from there as well if they're interested. And if anyone is looking to buy paintings that are not shown anywhere, they can contact me or contact Fury. And I'm sure Fury will look gladly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, well, so your art is displayed all over Toronto and such. So yeah, that's uh, very, very good to hear. So that's great. Okay, for both of you, is there anything else that you wanted to add? The only thing I would really add is people should see the show if you're in Richmond Hill. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely let us know what you're thinking. Um, I'm sure the our emails and contact information would be in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have any interest in purchasing any of vehicles work, contact us. Um, if you have any interest in learning more about the project, also expand and be involved in think about their own experiences with hair and beauty. So we will be open to doing more programming and and also like having the show travel, mm-hmm. you know, to more spaces. Um, and then Hiko also runs workshops um, using like collage painting and all of that. So if 
it's something of interest, contact us. We're always happy to figure out new partnerships and um, ways to continue to, you know, take the word, the word out there and the work out there. And yeah, oh, there's a workshop coming up in with the library. So I'm sure Madge will also add that to the show notes um, mm-hmm. for when the workshop is. Um, yeah, and just follow through. It's a great year and life is good. Good. Very good. <laughs> okay. But just to say the workshop is uh, February 10th. And thank you for, for reminding me of that. Okay, yeah. so February 10th, is it open to, is it open to anyone? Did anyone sign up? So it is for youth. youth However, okay. um, if you know someone who's like between the ages of six to eighteen, um, it doesn't matter your gender or however you express yourself. It's open for it's it's free. So please feel free to stop by the library and contact yeah. us and contact the library as well if you're interested. They have everything up on their website. Yeah, they do. Okay, so I will definitely put the link in for that because that's, again, very interesting. Though I am dis- disappointed you're only doing it for youth and you are excluding me. So that's... <laughs> well, hopefully we can do one for adults. You know, yes. Adults yeah. as well. So I, I, think, that. I think there would be an interest in that. So, but I will talk to Annette at the library. She is open to ideas. So that is good. Okay, I do end the uh, podcast. Uh, all of them, with the guest's response to the question, please name one thing you really like about this community, and I'm talking about Richmond Hill. So. I think the first thing that came to my mind was there's this Caribbean spot called Enneals, yes. and when we first came <laughs> to see the exhibition like space, we mm-hmm. went there and he was so welcoming towards us. He treated us like family and just one of those people that you can't forget because of the hospitality. So I think I speak for Fear and I when I say like that's really what we love about the community. <laughs> yes, you do. You know, expand more into Richmond Hill, you know, connect with more people here as well. We're so thankful that the exhibition has been taking off and people are really loving it and connecting with it and that's also another thing about is the library because the library yep. is the space to do yep. that and libraries are crucial so yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. libraries are special and so is Anil's I'm going there on Friday I love their jerk chicken so yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, anything you'd like to add favorite thing best thing you like about Richmond Hill so, um, in addition to the restaurant, I was going to say the library, like okay. Ahika said, um, I think the library is a very important space in Richmond Hill. And I do like that they are very, they're very accessible, you know, and expanding the programming and also like um, a good space that community members can use the resources, um, learn new things, you know, find new people even outside the community because it, I think I think when you don't have a library in your community, it shows, you know, and good libraries definitely is a way of investing in the people in a community. So shout out to the Richmond Hill Public Library for the work that they do and we hope that they continue to grow in their work and more community members get involved 
you know, and we generally hope to explore Richmond Hill some more. So get in contact, all of you listening to this, we would be very happy to connect. Okay, thank you very much, both of you. Uh, this has been a great part, a great talking to you. You've got had some really interesting things. I love how you expressed uh, some of the ideas. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the show again. I went once with the take the pictures. I need to go back and really look at it and, and such. So again, thank you for everything. Thank you. I just want to add, I think another thing that now I realize like I also like is people like you, Maj, um, who, you know, go to the library and see the things happening in your community and document that and like try to shine light on that. I think it's important for people like you to exist in communities like Richmond Hill. So giving you your flowers, thank you for inviting us to this conversation and sharing the work with other people in your community. We appreciate you. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you for listening. I would very much appreciate you sharing this podcast. Please tune in next week as we continue to explore the community. Consider emailing me at marge, M-A-R-J, at margeandre.com. I welcome suggestions for podcast guests. Stay well. Stay connected.